Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. We will be discussing Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 4, Among the Lotus Eaters. I am Ethan, one of your hosts. And I am Kevin, one of your other hosts, and this episode is directed by Eduardo Sanchez, written by Kirsten Beyer and Davey Perez. Beyer. So, I know we always go over the, uh, you know, historically have gone over everybody's credits. I'm only going to mention one director credit because I think it kind of speaks for itself. So, Eduardo Sanchez, I said to myself, that name sounds really familiar. This guy's the co-director of the original Blair Witch Project. The original? 1999, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that they were still making... Do in I, the industry. Did I. I didn't even... I didn't even follow. I mean, you know, they've been attached to every Blair Witch Project since then, right. but they weren't exactly. And I forgot that it was directed by two people, but I wasn't following, you know, their career paths or anything. So when I looked them up, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I feel like I kind of know that name from somewhere. Then when I clicked on it, it was like best known for directing the Blair Witch Project. And I'm like, holy shit, the Blair Witch Project. Now, of course, now I'm thinking to myself, are there any like Blair Witch type? elements in this episode like shot yeah. in a similar fashion but i mean that's i mean we're talking like 24 years ago so probably yeah. not and also i think when you're not a, TV a found director, footage episode yeah i think tv directors have much less freedom yeah than film directors yeah they're i think they're very much like there's almost like a style code a style guide for the show that right unless you're frakes unless you're frakes you can't go too far outside of it but just going over his filmography i mean he's become a I, I would say a prolific television director I mean he's you know he's done a lot of episodes of Supernatural he did American Horror Stories a couple of uh, Fantasy yeah. Islands so and American Horror Stories look really good those are very well directed shows I haven't seen those I've seen a couple of seasons so um, and he's the director. He's one of the directors of uh, you know, one of the segments from the movie VHS, VHS two, I should say. Uh, so, you know who else has become a TV director, a former film director? Hmm. Kevin Smith. Really? Yes, he directs some Supergirl episodes and different TV shows. Interesting. I guess that's a good career path. I'm sure directing TV is a nice gig. And then, of course, Davy Perez. I mean, he's been involved in Strange New Worlds from the beginning, but he also wrote a couple of episodes of Supernatural. This is his third episode of Strange New Worlds, his first one for this season. And Kirsten Beyer, of course. I mean, all of her television credits are Star Trek because she was a Star Trek author, as we all know, before this. So she began on Discovery and then, of course, uh, co-creator, I believe, of Picard. Some and, of the best uh, Discovery yeah. episodes. Yeah, she wrote that uh, the one that we like, helped write that one that we like, Unification Three, yeah. which keeps coming out more and more. So, <clears throat> enormous respect for Kirsten Byer. We're always she's one of those writers where we always say, "Oh, thank God," because she's. I mean, I think most of the books she wrote pertain to Voyager, but she knows the world very, very well. And when they announced, I didn't know who she was. So I don't really delve into the Star Trek book universe very often. Yeah, it's very daunting. It is. And I think, I don't know that there's much continuity between it, um, between each book, but she's written a lot of them for years. Um, Like I said, I think she particularly focuses on Voyager, but 
when Discovery was announced as a series and they were kind of announcing who was coming on board as writers, I thought it was actually a really interesting and good idea to bring in Star Trek authors who write the books yeah. to write for television because <clears throat> they often know more about the world than the, than the television, than the Trek television writers do specifically the veterans because they, you know, cause they, they write a lot. They'll write a lot of Star Trek novels and obviously writing a right. novel is far more involved than writing a <clears throat> television script. Right. Yeah. And they, so. I imagine they get the kind of like the, the tone of the culture of Starfleet. Right. Generally. Right. Which is great because there's not many other TV shows that would, probably prepare someone for writing this sort of uh bureaucratic right show so but i'm glad she's on this show kirsten Bayer. i mean she doesn't yep. seem attached to one show she seems to just jump from you know between all of them i don't think she i don't think she's, she hasn't done anything for lower decks yet but or I don't think Prodigy either, but she's the live action ones at the very least. She seems to go hop back and forth between all of them, which I think is, yeah. um, which I like. I would like to see yeah. her just like maybe do a solo. Yeah, solo. At some point. Um, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if she was also almost like a consultant for other writers, just because like you said, she does know the world so She does well. know the world, yeah. Yeah. She's mostly, from what I can tell from her credits, I mean, she mostly does co-writing. And then she also does story editing. So probably, I would assume the story editing, what you just said, that's where that maybe comes into play the most, right? She may take somebody else's script and say, well, you gotta, you know. She doesn't do enough of it on Discovery, unfortunately. <laughs> true, 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 true. So we had a very interesting episode this week. I found particular interest in it because this episode was kind of a sequel to a B-plot, if you even call it a B-plot, from the cage. So the away mission to Rigel 7, which has just happened a moment, maybe like a couple of days prior to the cage. They're just coming back from that mission. The crew sort of, you know, not feeling very well. The captain's all upset because he lost three crew members. So this episode finally gives us a little bit more detail as to what actually happened. Everything prior to that is shown in a quick flashback or just in dialogue. We just know all we knew about it beforehand was that this was a very disastrous away mission. This one goes into more detail and actually explains to us like, oh, well, they weren't even there for that long. It was like what they say. It was like they were there for like an hour, four hours, something like that. And it ended yeah, very quickly. They to, yeah, they had to leave behind crew members that died. Right. Or quote unquote died. Well, so specifically the Pike's Yeoman who we see in this episode. We learn his name in this episode, but they make reference specifically to that character in the cage where Pike's yeoman dies. And that's where yeoman Colt comes in in the cage to be his new yeoman, that yeoman's replacement. So, and it was also kind of nice to hear that rank again because I don't, I, we haven't heard that rank for quite some time. That's very true. Yeah. And I never was quite sure what the rank was. It's kind of like a, um, I mean, it is a real military rank, but I think it's sort of like a, um, I think it's sort of like an assistant or something like that. It could, there's somebody who just, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a servant in a royal or noble household, ranking between a sergeant and a groom or a squire and a page, obviously. We saw them a lot in the original series and even in the motion picture, but... Um, and throughout some of the films as well, but the the rank kind of fell out 
I think in the next gen days. I think maybe in the first season, maybe they made reference one or two times to a yeoman, but we didn't really see the rank much beyond that. We we didn't see it in DS9, as I recall, not on Voyager and mm. um, not on Enterprise and even any of the other shows leading up to. Has Stranger it come Wars. up on Lower Decks? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not, that I'm so not sure of, they, yeah. They would probably be the ones palling around with Yeoman. Right. I would have thought, I would have at least thought that maybe we would have gotten one on Enterprise because Enterprise was also the first show. Enterprise kind of resurrected the role of Commodore. The rank of Commodore kind of went away for a while as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that would have made sense. They should have probably made an effort to keep all the ranks. Yeah. The original series. I mean, the most... Strange New Worlds has done that. The most well-known Yeoman, of course, is being Yeoman Janice Rand on the original series. Oh, of course. Right. So, but it was I, it was good that they brought that back. I mean, I think in also in most cases in the past, Yeomans were always associated with, were always a woman. Were always women for the most part. I, I think, think Kirk brought to that. Yeah. Well, if you remember that line, he said, you know, somewhat outdated line now where he says, when I get my hands on the headquarters genius that assigned to me a female Yeoman. Yeah. Makes me you cringe probably, when I hear that line. Yeah, that is kind of cringe. Yeah. <clears throat> so. um, yeah, they should edit that out. <laughs> well, I mean, Pike has a line in the cage where he says they just can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. So, yeah, yeah there's, I mean, obviously there are some lines that need to be, uh, that did not, did not age very well. Yeah, they were woke, but not that woke, I guess. <laughs> but this was a good, I thought this was a good one. I mean, I, I was a little put off by it at first but watching it the second time i really got into it and i really enjoyed it it had all the makings of really an original series episode specifically i would say the paradise syndrome that's the one where they're all you know it's the they're high on flowers and everything and so this one i thought had a very sort of similar vibe to it everyone's losing their memory so Mm -hmm. um and again we get more info on the 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 uh what happened on rigel seven so yeah, I I, the, I liked it at first. I sort of thought that the Ortegas part I didn't love, but mm. I thought it was a fine ride, the episode. Right. Um, but then on second viewing, I was actually really impressed with how much character <laughs> development they did um, between Battelle and Pike and even with Ortegas. So I think on second viewing, I also enjoyed it more. The... So... The Ortegas side of it, I thought was good, but I think what was a little disappointing was it didn't feel like there was enough there. She still has yet to receive as much focus as any other character who's gotten a solo episode or just who has been or has been the main focus. So she was kind of, I think, embattled with the A story. She was sort of like story A two or something like she was like because the b plot on the on the enterprise the same thing was happening on the enterprise as it was on the planet so yeah and we mostly started from her perspective i guess that was the most right that was the best thing that they did for the character right Uh, so we were seeing yeah we were seeing what spock was doing and una and everyone through her i just i didn't i didn't come out of it feeling that i knew more about her so i didn't feel like she was developed enough i mean we certainly spent you know a little bit more time with her than we usually do 
But I didn't learn anything more about the character. I mean, it makes me think of the second episode of the series when we uh, we learn like right away, we learn more about Uhura, and she is the main focus of the episode. But we learn more about her background sort of almost right away when she's at dinner with the captain and the rest of the crew in his quarters. I didn't yeah. I didn't get any more insight into Ortega other than oh I fly the ship, but I already knew that. I think Ortegas might have Chekhov syndrome. You think so? Like he's always around, but he's rarely the focus. Well, that and I would say, but that's the case with most of the secondary characters on the original series. I mean, we I've I've gotten in conversations with people online about how, you know, some of them, sort of like me, for a while had shared my same complaint about the bridge crew on Discovery, Detmer, Oo. Reese, they Paul or Paul? Oh, yeah, Stamets is Paul. They get to, they don't get developed enough. They don't get a lot of. We don't get to spend a lot of time with them, even though the show wants us to think they're all sort of best friends. And so I sort of said, and so some people find you know resent that they hate that they're not being sort of utilized as best they can. And I never really thought about it much. And I said, you know, if you go back and watch the original series. <clears throat> the focus is Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. The secondary characters, like, they really, if you just look at the series itself, yeah. they don't really get any focus. We don't no, they really, get moments. They, they don't get, get moments. They get moments. Right. And I said, you know, you think you know them because of just the roles they play in the films, but even in the films, they don't really get a whole lot to do either. They've just right. been around. They've just been sort of ever-present, but they're sort of treated in the same way. Um, yeah, Ortega's... So go ahead. This is a good time to kind of correct that and give some right. attention here's a great example because this easily i think the natural way to write this would be make it from spock's perspective right um so i think using ortegas was a was a good idea and the thing i found odd and a little off-putting at first the episode seems to open twice it opens yeah. with pike giving kind of a little narration or or starting with him and Battelle. And then it has an Ortega's narration as if we're hearing the captain's log. At the right. Beginning of right. So that kind of threw me off. But I will say that most of the time we see Ortega, she's under the influence of the the planet or the right. asteroid. Right. Um, but we do get a scene with some insight into her. At first, she's, she is very excited to go on an away mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's very pumped and into it. And, if, you know, it's kind of resenting the fact that she only flies the ship. Right. And we got to see that kind of disappointment when she was asked to stay back. So we did learn that about her. She's got a little uh, lust for adventure. She reminds me of... It's a couple of things. She sort of reminds me, but mostly in sort of the early days of Enterprise, Hoshi was sort of treated the same way. There was that she had a little bit of ambivalence on going on away missions, but then even though she was the communications officer, she kind of got over that. And then she was she was sort of interested in wanting to do more. So she would end up going away on all these various away missions. And so it, it sort of, for some reason, just reminded me of Hoshi because I think with Hoshi, that was, to my recollection, that was sort of the first time in Trek I had ever seen something like that. Everyone just sort of went on the away mission and didn't really think twice about it. It wasn't like, oh, I want to go because I want to do... You know, Hoshi was sort of... It does make sense that the person who flies the Enterprise should not go on an away mission. Right. So it's this is actually doing a better job of giving it a little logic test. Right. But you know what what else, too? I did... I, I, 
you know, you mentioned Spock. Like, I really did like that moment between her and Spock. So it's that moment when they're in the corridor and she's about, and she's told she should stay behind to pilot the ship. And, you know, and it's all because of Spock's sort of recommendation. And she's sort of, what does she say to him? She says, like, stay out of people's business. Like, she says something. Like, in other words, like, he's not thinking about how, like, yes, she should be flying the ship. But he's also not taking into account that she would like to maybe go on an away mission from time to time. Like, he's only he's only thinking about it purely from, like, what their skill is. Yes, yes. And, and there's supposed to show a few opportunities. And, and I think the right. writers do a good job at having her explain. The reason is because of all the asteroids, it's hard to fly the shuttle, so you need a more experienced pilot. Right. And what is Spock doing? He's coming from a place of logic. It makes sense that he would yes. say that. But he's not thinking about <clears throat> her oh, feelings. Her feelings. Absolutely. And it's a very small moment, but I think it's it's used to great effect. So I like that. I sort of like that conversation between her and Spock. Like those are things we've always known Spock as being the cold, cool, logical person. But I like when he's sort of confronted with sort of moments like that, like somebody's human side is coming into direct conflict with his Vulcan side and he's not thinking about their feelings it's strictly like i said coming from a place of like logic your skill level is i need we need you here because you got to pilot the ship because of it's dangerous and so i thought i i really i just thought that was a really nice touch mm. so going down to rigel seven now as i mentioned we've only seen we only the, what little we saw of rigel seven in the cage was only through flashback between pike and that fur clad warrior mm-hmm. I gotta give the production designers credit on this one because I mean I always do but spe- specifically here because we learn that this is like five years removed from the cage and I like that they you know sometimes this production team you know they, for the most part they've stayed fairly consistent but you know they, they want to update stuff but they always keep it somewhat familiar mm-hmm. to what it originally looked like mm-hmm. here they more or less kept it like exactly the same like their costumes were like more or less exactly the same we only saw one person and what i loved about it was that you know in the 1960s as you and i we've had various discussions about this sort of thing even though it's science fiction and you want to think it's some kind of futuristic thing the what the depiction of Rigel Seven in the cage is probably like oh they probably went they probably ran over to the you know the costume department at MGM and just grabbed something off yeah. the hangar and just said, you they know, found some, some leftover Ben Hur costume. Right, exactly. So when it comes to this, we're in 2023, and sur- surely they could make this look way better. They could make it look, but they choose they choose not to, and they just choose to completely stay true to what the original vision of it was. And it goes yeah. back to what you and I said when the show was announced: is that we want to see crazy shit. We don't. We just want to see. We want to. We still want to see those planets where, like, people are still carrying swords and shields and wearing, you know, and we're getting it. Yes, yes, and I love it because when you're fa- when they're faced with decisions like that, why not just just embrace it, you know? Right. It's, because it's all it's in the a, writing. It's all in what the story is. It's also it's already designed for you. Essentially, you just need to update it a little bit. Yeah. So I thought it worked really, really, really well, and um, I really liked how I think this was a very well constructed episode. Because we got the recap through conversation of the prior mission. Right. And, you know, setting up the situation where clearly we violated this prime directive by accident. And now they yes. have our technology. And also they explain 
there explains very well their lack of weapons, communicators, and uniforms, because this is one of those episodes where if they had their equipment, it would have been a very different story. So they had to make sure not to further contaminate. So that set them up to be able to be trapped there. And I, so like- I think that was very well done. They also, they had to park their shuttle far away so they couldn't see the shuttle and mm-hmm. be reminded... So, yeah, they took care of all those logical things very well. And by the way, these are all things that Star Trek has done before. But what amazes me about this show is that even though it's sort of, we know the beats, we know, I don't know, I I can't explain it, but like somehow they seem to be able to do it with refreshing effect. Like if this were like Voyager, I'd be like, I've seen this like 12 times already. But for some reason, like, on Strange New Worlds, and I would say, and I would view that as a negative, but on Strange New Worlds, I'm thinking like, yeah, I've seen those 12 times already, but it's, for some reason, it's really working for me on this episode. They're yeah, re- on the show's really working, yeah. I do think some of it is just the novelty of seeing that original series con- context to it all. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that really makes it new again. Well, Because we haven't seen that since, you know, before we were born. Well, be, and, and because everything you just said, like, you know, they parked the shuttle far away, they've got, I mean... It puts me in mind of that episode of Enterprise in season two, which I actually kind of think is underrated. It's called The Communicator, where they leave the communicator behind and they have to, Archer and Malcolm have to go back and get it for fear that it's going to contaminate their culture. And then, remember that? And then they get caught and then it turns out and they end up like sort of poisoning the culture more than they, more than they anticipated they would. Yeah, they should have just left the communicator behind. Right. And so, yeah. So I, I, even though I've seen these episodes where like, oh, some lost technology gets left behind, we've got to go get it so we don't affect their culture. I mean, this was the first episode of the show. It was the same thing in the first episode of the show. And yet, what, 12 episodes later, 13 episodes later? First, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I don't feel like we just saw this. I, like, I'm not sick of it for some reason. Like, it's still done yeah. very well. Yeah, I'm sort of surprised that in Starfleet, if you violate the Prime Directive, even if it's by accident and you cause this mess... You could just go down and try to fix it yourself. You don't have to report it to anybody. You don't have to, right. you know, get any upper approval. Yeah, I mean, it's the the best example I can think of the prior directive being violated and like the and seeing the consequences of it is in Star Trek Into Darkness in the very beginning of that sh- of that film when they when the Enterprise is in the ocean and Kirk and it's like when Kirk and McCoy go down to the planet because that volcano is going to erupt and they're trying to save a civilization so they don't get wiped out and they end up seeing the Enterprise and violating the Prime Directive and Pike is really pissed at Kirk and he's pissed to the point where like he strips him of his rank of captain and like demotes him back to first huh. officer. I mean, I just it, realized I've not seen that film since I saw it in theaters and I never I saw mean, it since. It doesn't I don't remember any of that. It does. It's the opening scene of the of the movie. It doesn't play out. Okay much beyond that because obviously with the situation that arises Kirk gets put back to captain but it was one of the earliest instances I could think of where like because you're right they violate the prime directive but like it's violated never but everybody always seems to have a reason for doing it or they can yeah. just seem to like oh no big deal just go back and fix it by doing xyz yeah just go back and chop down their hedges right <laughs> Kirk literally like violates the prime directive and affects the development of that culture and Pike and like Pike is really pissed off at him and says and you know demotes him to first officer. Yeah. And I couldn't think of another episode or at the time that really got into 
no, like this is what happens if you do gotcha. that. I mean, Archer and Malcolm, you know, certainly affected the the development of that civilization in some way, but we didn't get to see the after effects of it all. Right. Like, and they hadn't really solidified the prime directive yet. It didn't exist yet. Right. Yes. And you think like that's the prime directive was probably created out of things like that. Yes. But they didn't put in any kind of procedure or consequences. Not yet. I mean, in the episode Dear Doctor, I mean, Archer makes reference that one day his people will come up with some kind of a directive. I think he even says directive, you know, um, complete, you know, completely. So. Um, the thing I really love here, too, is that I think the, there's a simplicity to the society on Rigel 7 that is super original series. Mm hmm. It is, um, I want to say it's commenting on something. I don't exactly know what, but maybe it just elites and, you know, the, the 1% or something. But right. it's just the kind of simple thing where, okay, there's these people and they have uniforms and the colors are what their job is. They, and um, I thought of this today that the planet, see, their economy seems to be based around settlers of Catan. Because they chop wood yep. and they get rocks. <laughs> that seems to be about all that's going on there. Right. And it just makes you wonder, like, what exactly is going on in this world? And it's weird because we see, like, 150, like, 100 years earlier, they, go to, they don't go to Rigel 7, but they go to the Rigel system in the pilot episode of Enterprise. And the planet they go to in that system is like a hub of different alien species coming and going, and yet this one... Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm like, is, the Rigel system is very confusing to me. I don't understand it. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they, they tried to go there and, and conquer it, and then the memory stuff happened. They said, we're just going to stay away. Yeah, because I... I mean, the thing is, the people on Rigel 7... They're still developing. I mean, and obviously we go into this whole Prime Directive thing, but I'm thinking to myself, like, but don't you, are you not seeing Starship traffic going to the other Rigel I planet? There's nothing you can do about it if you're essentially like a medieval level technology. You don't have telescopes? I mean, all you have to do is look I mean, in the yeah, sky. You don't see, you know, I don't know. What are you going to do? Once you see it, it's like, oh, cool. Well, I mean, again. I better go back to chopping wood. Well, well, no, but it's, you know what? It, again, I, I make reference to the first episode of the series. They reverse engineered a warp bomb from lo basically looking at telescopes. Yeah, that's true. So. But also, these people are dealing with this mind. Uh, that's true. You know, how, how they can get anything done. And that was, and I, and I, thought that, I thought that was a very interesting addition because they get around that by saying in the, you know, in the cage that we were not on this planet long enough to yes. suffer from the effects of this. Mm -hmm. Because at first I'm thinking to myself, how are they going to, well, wait a minute, they didn't, this didn't happen in the cage, so how are they, is this some kind of like, is this being done intentionally? And they just say, no, we, were, we just weren't here long enough because the mission was over that quickly. So what did you think of us meeting Pike's former yeoman and discussing that he's actually alive and sort of seeing the consequences of Pike leaving him behind? I really do like that, but I'm going to lead up to that by giving you my hot take. Okay, good. So this entire thing is Laon's fault. Because for some reason, she was 
she was hiding the symptoms that she had. She was not letting on. I don't know why. She wanted to appear tough or something, but um, she was asked directly, like, is anything else going on? She was having the tinnitus. She didn't mention it. Yes. Um, yeah, if she had been upfront with what was happening, maybe they would have abandoned the mission or changed strategy or something, but she just withheld most of what was happening. So I found that to be interesting. She actually lied about her symptoms. Mm, yeah. So... She's gonna, uh, but if she told the truth, we wouldn't have an episode. So yes, it's, I agree. True, but Pike <laughs> should... Uh, I don't know. Tell her not to lie in the future. Um, well, there should have been that... I, but on that note, though... Yes. There could have been a scene at the end where Pike had a one-on-one oh, with her and said, good. you know, Erica... Or not Erica, um, La'an. If you had been more transparent with us, this whole thing potentially could have been avoided. Yes. So even though, like, I don't think she should... So, like, I think that there at least should have... Somebody should have been made aware of it. Like, that conversation should have actually taken place. Yes. Because she doesn't mention the tinnitus until... And this is where it connects. Till, um... Uh, Pike's former yeoman mentions it. And then she immediately says, Yes! You had, you heard that, too, or something like that. Right. So, very interesting. Um, I, I like the idea that he had become the leader. Uh, I sort of thought they were going to do a little more with it, honestly. But yeah, it was interesting that he'd become the leader. He was resentful at Pike, so sent him out. Um, Been wearing but, that same uniform for five years. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I liked it. I thought it would be more. It wasn't, but I was okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I No, I agree with that. I think... Um, in a way, it felt like they didn't do enough with it. Yeah, I sort of feel like um, you could have... I even wrote it here somewhere. Like You could have cut part of it out. Um, yeah, like you could have cut out the whole part about the legends that he's keeping people's memories in a casket. Mm -hmm. I think you could have kind of cut that out. There's kind of some things that could have been cut out and maybe had a little more of the pike to yeoman resentment. I think that part probably would have went. Or it could have, uh, or maybe they could have done something where like, because he's, he more or less remains in that castle and his memory was intact. Because remember like, if you stay inside that castle they were in, you were sort of yeah. oblivious to. I thought to myself like, well, what if he had actually lost his memory and certainly became one of them and didn't even, you know, because... Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like, you could almost treat it like a con situation where, like, he's, quote-unquote, left behind, and he's resentful toward the toward Pike. And I just I just kind of felt like, I, I don't know that I fully get, I'm not fully on board with, like, his motive. Like, what is his end goal? What is he trying to do here? Like, does yeah. he want revenge he for Pike? Like, what is he trying to, yeah. He seemed too crazy, given that we saw what happens when you lose your memory, but then once you're in the... the the Kalar, I guess they call it, or I maybe mean, those are the people, but that castle, then they come back. So you would think once his memories came back, he would recognize, okay, I'm a yeoman in Starfleet, I got left behind, that we probably have some procedures that he has to follow for this. Right. Uh, so it was strange that, yeah, he was so, she seemed real, real crazy. Yeah. I but, did. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm, these, are, these are definitely nitpicks. They're nitpicks, but I, I think... I feel like it does. It doesn't. It didn't make the story not work, but I felt like it could have. 
just made it a little stronger. Yeah, yeah. And like, we didn't really see what, what... I guess we knew he was the leader. But we only ever saw him interact with two or three people. Yeah, it's because, and I think it's because of that, I'm watching the episode and I'm thinking to myself, like, it, it was difficult for me to sort of get into my mind, like, okay, but what is the... They've lost their memory, memories, and they've got to get them back, and they've got to get back on board the Enterprise. But I'm thinking to myself, like, but what, what is the actual dilemma here? Like, wh- like wh- what, are we, what, are we, what are we getting out of this? What is the goal? Where is this going? Like, they've lost their memory, but then you have this guy who's left behind. But, like, I'm like, what is, yeah. you know, what is the ultimate end goal here? What does he want? Does he want Pike dead? Does he want the Enterprise? Like, what does he want, revenge. exactly? Like, yeah, probably just revenge. Yeah. If that's all uh, it was, though, I don't think it was either. I don't think it was either very clear cut or it just wasn't very strong. Yeah, because it didn't seem did like they, it was the focus. Did they ever do anything about the breaking the the violations of the Prime Directive? Did they ever take away the weapons and things? Yeah, I mean, they, in the end, they brought them back with them, but I mean, that was kind of it. I mean, they yeah, just, they didn't yeah. That much. And then they violated more by moving the asteroids. You know what it is? It's like the episode was. The episode was actually almost an hour long. And yeah. Could have been a, a movie. It could have been two hours. The thing, right. The thing of it was, and, you know, we've talked about it with the show, I think, particularly this season. They do a lot in these episodes. Like, you come out of it feeling like you've really seen a lot of different stories, taking a lot of very densely packed stories. Yes. And there was a lot in this one, but I just feel like it needed the focus needed to be reined in just a little bit more. Yeah, I guess, though, it's a great thing if you're feeling after the episode is like, oh, I wanted to see more of this, or I want to get more of that. Right. That's a a good place to be, rather than I want to see less of everything. Well, because it starts out with them, they've got to get down to this planet and get their tech back. And then in in the process of doing that, they lose their memories. They find out there's an Enterprise crew member who's left behind, and he's now the leader of this place. And then the Enterprise crew loses their memories, and then Erica Ortegas is somewhat the focus over there. So there's like there there were these like, even though it's all related to the same thing, for some reason it all felt the episode did in a way feel a little bit siloed because I was like I'm like there's just a lot there's a lot going on in this, and it's like what's the what and I'm thinking myself what is the A story here? I think it's very common that we get an away story in a yeah. ship. I think the interesting thing is that they kind of had. Oh, actually, this is very interesting. The so ship story is the same story. Essentially the same story in two different places. Yeah. But each one had their own character journey that we were following. Ortega right. says, Sky, uh, whatever, space. And then Pike, uh, you know, on the away mission, in a way. Because we did, haven't even really talked about his relationship situation. This is that, too. That's the other thing. And that book ended the show. That's the arc that goes through. Because if I guess I would assume that the point is, it's how the society works or how he's a leader or all that. That's not as important. What we want to see is Pike's journey from pushing people away when they get too close to him to realizing that, um, you know, that, you know, he's just trying to, I don't know what, it's just a pattern he has and he's, he should embrace this relationship because it's actually very important to him. Right. 
I think that's really the I guess the main story for the away team. And do you think him losing the losing his memory? How important do you think losing his memory played into that aspect of it? I think that was huge because yeah. then it was the pendant that Battelle gave him that That's right. That that was the thing that grounded him and, and kind of kept him from totally losing himself. And once he went through that and realized that it was that pendant in the memory of Battelle and how important she is to him that got him through it, then he realizes, oh no, I have to save this relationship. Okay. Yeah. I, I would say that that's... Because I always look at... You want to see a character get from one place to another. And at the beginning, he's kind of like ambivalent about the relationship. Um, right. And then by the end, he's he's full full on in on the relationship. So I think that's pretty important. And it's, it's kind of cool because I sort of made some comments on the... F- the very first episode of the series about Battelle just being there to, um, you know, make Pike look manly and like, like I just got laid, haha, and I'm going to space on my horse, that kind of vibe. But she's become a very important character, and it's it's really developing. So I actually think that Battelle's uh, a great part of the show. I was a little surprised to even see her again because I I just kind of assumed that. After you know, to the episode Una's trial, that maybe we wouldn't. There'd at least be some kind of awkwardness there. Between yeah, the two and it was a little bit. I mean, she she lost out on a promotion because of uh, what, well, essentially the 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 Enterprise style Vulcan kind yes. of held it against her and right. lost out on a promotion. And that's that's it's kind of interesting. That's the only little sliver that Pike needed to say. Oh my God! I'm hurting your career. We better we better put the brakes on this relationship. And and I think he has a great back and forth with Una. And one thing I have to say is their chemistry is fantastic. Pike and Una. And the, there was a nice easy back and forth between Una and Pike. And when Una said, uh, "Oh, you did that thing you do, which yeah. is push people away once they get too close." Right. You know, she knows him so well, and and he knows that she's right. Um, but one thing that Una said that leads me to a question. She said, everyone deserves joy, even captains. Have we ever seen in Star Trek a captain with a real relationship? Or, or other than other than maybe um, Riker? Well, Cisco was married, and then he had Cassidy Yates. Was he a captain when he was married? No, that's when he was a commander. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so Jennifer, yeah, of course, died cool. in the pilot. Yeah, and he gets like a command captain type position. Yep. So we had him and Cassidy Yates. I mean, I guess you could say Picard and Vosh, but it only didn't really go anywhere. Um, after that, well, Captain Janeway in the first episode, the first few seasons, she does have a companion back home. Um, okay, so she was. That's a good. That's a good. That's Mark. A good one, yeah. Yep, and then. In Enterprise, at least in one episode, like the in the fourth season episode, episode two, called uh, Home or Three, um, he's in a relationship with the captain of the NXO two Columbia, but and she appears from time to time. But like we only really see them like somewhat have a relationship in that one episode. Oh, that's so, really cool because that means this her is name already was Erica before. too. 
that it's only Captain that's like Captain and Captain make a good relationship because right. no one else really understands what you go through. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting and I think it's a it's a cool choice to yeah. make the captain in a long term committed relationship. The shows I don't think go into it enough. Um because yeah, I think the way they were, they didn't really have those ongoing I think it's because at the and I kind of feel like Star Trek at that time was putting on this sort of front that a captain shouldn't have a relationship. And there are even episodes that even kind of go into that. Or at least it's sort of mentioned in dialogue from time to time. Picard talked about that a few times. Yeah. And like Janeway, of course, as well. Um, I mean, even though she has... She had a relationship at home. It comes up again at least a few like once or twice in the in the you know in sort of subsequent seasons her saying like you know i don't think this is this is not appropriate for me like to be you know i'm a captain i've got i've got a duty to get my crew home so she kind of felt like you know i don't have time for you know fraternization right yeah which is like it's not fraternization it's like your life it's having a partner right exactly which Um, is weird i'm glad that they're going this route because yeah it's like you know we know Kirk famously, although not actually that much, would have his flings here and there. Right. And then Picard, his kind of like, will they, won't they, with um, Crusher. Well, and, this, and I will say, there's one thing I forgot to mention. So um, we sort of glossed over this mm. with when you want to talk about captain relationships, specifically like Pike and Battelle. You know, she was the one sort of prosecuting Yuna. Or Yuna, I said it again. Una. Um, a few weeks ago, it was the same thing in Court Martial, in the original series episode Court Martial. When, when Kirk's on the space station, he runs into an old flame, and it turns out she's the one who's going to be prosecuting against him. Oh, okay. You know what I love, right? So the difference here is that Pike, Good you know, it's a little rough patch, it's a bump in the road, but they get through it. Right. So I don't know, for some reason I think that's kind of neat to see... Uh, look at real, a real-ish, as real as a relationship in Star well, Trek I think can it, be. I think it just, it, it, I think it humanizes them, but it also makes, you know, God loved Gene Roddenberry, but I think at times, like, his world felt so mythical it was difficult to relate to. Like, you know, you want to see people in relationships. You want to see, you know, yeah. you want to see humans as fallible. You, if somebody's perfect, it's just, it's, it can be difficult to relate to that. Yeah, and also, yeah. we know that he was kind of a um, swinger, you know? Right. So I think he wrote Kirk as, like, a, himself. And what would he be doing if he was going around the galaxy? But he'd be having one-night stands, you know, on every planet and moon. That's why, I'm, in a way, I'm sort of interested in what they do. What would they do with Kirk now? I mean, obviously, we've met him with Paul Wesley. But how would they sort of depict that Kirk, that Kirk in modern right. day? Right. Well, they kind of hinted at it with he's making out with um, Laon pretty quickly. Right. So he's you know he's he's a fast he's a fast operator. We know that. Yeah. Or at least that version, which can't be too different. Right. Yeah. Um, I wonder because we know Battelle is not part of well we assume not part of Pike's life uh, at the end. I wonder if she dumps him when he gets in the box. <laughs> I, With the light. That'd be awful. Um, Time for dirty talk, Patel. 
Burp. Burp. I, I don't... I have no basis for this whatsoever. I just feel like we don't know what happens to Pike after that. We just know he's living out his life on that planet. Yeah. Talos 4. I just feel like this show somehow, even though it's ten, you know, seven, eight years beforehand, is going to somehow figure out a way, is going to somehow not retcon it, but like add an addendum to it to be like, well, you know something? Yeah. He got rescued the next day and he's fine. <laughs> Although, you know what? I bet you, you know? that and he, knowing, like, yeah. knowing this character of Pike, if he were, when he gets in the box, if he's still with Patel, I'm sure that he would tell her like, you got to go live your life. Yeah. You know? Right. I think he, that's the kind of guy he is. It's interesting that you mentioned that because it does sort of raise the question. I mean, we're getting all this development on Pike and then suddenly it's like, how do they, what happens to it all when he, because we know where he winds up, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I think, I hope we see all that let go up. Like, I hope Patel stays around for the whole show. It's it's very odd to me because it's not like I'm it's not like I want the show to end right. I just I I'm very much looking forward to how they yes do all of this and how they you know yes I I, I want like so in the Clone Wars they got right up to the point where the show was happening at the same time as Episode Three movie yeah. and you were just seeing it like different characters what they were doing at those moments. I would love for it to overlap. With the yeah, scene. because I'm thinking to myself. Are they going to do like a Rogue One thing or a Thing prequel thing where like when the show ends, Kirk takes command and it's like, and the next day is where where No Man Has Gone Before picks up. Like does the show end with Kirk entering the rec room and that's in the next scene is where No Man Has Gone Before, right? Yeah. Like would they do, would they get that specific? I mean, I think it's absurd to not think that this show is going to end with them literally the handing off command to Kirk. I think it should end with the accident. I don't... Yeah, the thing is... Here's, here's my take on this, and I know we're sort of getting a little off topic. We've seen the accident in the flashbacks on Discovery. I don't think we're going to see it on the show. I think... I have a feeling we'll see him, like, get on board that ship where the oh, accident yeah. later occurs. I don't know that we will... Because that's a very... That's a horrible ending for a show. For a show. Yeah, well, I'm thinking. Yeah. So there's a, I won't. Not spoil it, but there's a Star Wars show where a character that you grow to really, really love sacrifices themselves for the people, and it's like one of the most powerful, yeah, episodes of television that I've seen. And how great would it be after we spend all this time with Pike? And it would mean so much more now to see him do that. But that would be powerful. Yeah. It's kind of like when Revenge of the Sith was coming out. I thought to myself, how does this end positively? Yeah, no, it doesn't. How does this end on a high... Because you want to end a movie on a high note, kind of. Yeah, no, that is right? on a very I thought to myself, low. like, how do you... <laughs> I guess it balanced with the birth of Luke and Leia, and then... Vader, yeah. So at least even. Right. I just... I mean, endings like that can be effective if they're done well. I think, I just yeah. don't want to see a Trek series end on a somber note like that. D 
Deep Space Nine's was somewhat somber. I, I, you know, I just. I do. I want to see it. Yeah. And then you know what I want to see? Then I want to see everyone, the crew, because I guess he wasn't with the Enterprise crew when it happened. So the Enterprise crew, like, being told what happened. Yeah, like, how did they. I wanted to go real dark at the end. Damn. There's a show that I really loved. It was an HBO show that was called Six Feet Under. I remember that show. And the final episode, so it was about this family and they owned a funeral home. Um, but the final episode, you see how every character dies. Kind of totally out of context. It's yep. just like they show you the moment of their death. And I always thought that was brilliant. So hmm. I, 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 I would like to see him do something wild. But one thing I want to call particular um, note to is that other guy on the planet with them who's been there for years and he's lost his memory. Yes, who is that actor? Because I've seen him I so many know. times. No, I, I couldn't think of who he was. I've I've probably seen him... I feel like my whole life I've been watching that guy act. I'm gonna yeah, look him up. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to find it right now on... Uh, on um, Memory Alpha. Reed Burney is his name. Reed Burney? Yeah. Played the character of Luke. Or Luck. I, I don't even know how you say it. Um, and he's been in... The Blacklist, Home Before Dark, The Americans, The Handmaid's Tale, and Succession. He's been acting since 1976. Oh, yeah. So he's been in more than that. Yeah. But already even in that list, I've seen a bunch of that stuff. Hasn't, been, hasn't done Star Trek before. This was his first time. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he was on one of the 90s shows. You would have been surprised or wouldn't? I would not have been surprised at all. Yeah. I I liked him because he, eight is enough. Sorry, eight, he was on eight is enough. Yeah, yeah. Tales from the Crypt, Law and Order, House of Kanye, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. But I liked the role he played because he had. I liked what they did with it in terms of like. He liked that he couldn't remember anything because it was he felt it was sort of saving him pain. And we saw him finally like sitting in the uh Was it a castle or was it a chapel? Like it felt like it was almost like a church. I know, anyway. yeah. Um, it was call it the Kalar. And so he was sitting in there, and we and the last we see of him, he's actually getting his memory back, and all that pain. Yeah, but he back. was happy with the choice. And it sort of reminded me of Star Trek V, with Cybok wanting to. Each of us hides a secret pain, and Kirk says, "Well, no, he doesn't want him to lose it because you know I don't want my pain taken away. I need my pain." That's yeah. kind of what that reminded me of. Like, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and the mm. idea of like, would you, if you could erase your painful memories, would you do it? Knowing that it would change you. But they make you who you are, yeah. Yes. And, um, and so it was very interesting how it almost sounded positive the way he was talking about, we have to live in the moment. You know, you hear that 
expression a lot. Right. Um, but so that was interesting because I kind of thought, oh, maybe they've sort of bought into this idea that long term memories are just more hassle than they're worth. Mm. But I like that he inspired by uh, Pike gave up his forgetting. And also, he was just another great character that we've seen so many of this type, where someone from the uh, alien population that befriends and helps and informs our crew. Yeah. They can do a lot of exposition. Right. It's great. I mean, yeah, I mean... This one didn't die, so that was good. All around, I mean, even though... I mean... Sure, it was an original episode, but a lot of it, like I said earlier, had beats from other Trek shows and a lot of, yeah, we've seen this kind of thing before, but even so, like, it was okay because it was still used, done well, and as I said at the sort of top of the show, that it's all used to refreshing effect. It's it's like, I don't care that it, that I've seen this before. It's just, it's done, it's just done very, very well. And I think, if anything, it proves that you don't have to do season-long story arcs to tell a good... You, know, you can still... It, it, it sort of shows, like, how strong the f- format of Trek is, that you can still do it almost 60 years later, and it still works. Yeah. It still yeah. works fine. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it really is kind of this lost art of writing good single episodes of television. Right. It was like the way television was done for so many years. Well, and just because it's a whole season doesn't mean it's better or more complex than But it's also why I get mad when people talk about the show as being a throwback. Like what is that? Like a throwback like what what? A throwback to telling a good story and telling What do you mean? Yeah. I mean, yes, it's true. It's if anything there's been way more Trek that has been like this than there has anything else. Right. So, in a way, it's like Discovery and Picard were the anomalies. Well, for me, what it is is that, you know, and we we had been saying this from just the beginning of Discovery back when we actually kind of liked that show. Um, We said, you know, Season-long story arcs, great. I mean, it was sort of still somewhat new territory for Trek. I mean, DS9, sure, but still a different time. But there was something to be said about, like, what if I, like, I just want to, let's go out in space and just encounter a weird anomaly. Let's go to a weird planet and discover, you know. And you didn't, we didn't, I didn't realize, like, how much I missed that until it was gone. And yeah, so, no, we had a couple of, it would be one Discovery episode that would all kind of do that, and it was so exciting. Well, I remember, I mentioned this several times, I think it was like episode seven of the first season, it was magic to make the Sanus Manga Men when they're in the time loop, and we're like, oh my god, it's going to be a time loop episode, like, we've seen, yeah, yeah, we, we got, and it was good, like, that was one of the really, you know, it was a really good one. Yeah, or when they discovered the, like, the prairie church. In New Eden, exactly. What the heck right. Going on here? We got very excited that they were like going back to the sort of tried and true tropes mm-hmm. because, I mean, that's kind of what we hadn't seen it in so long. And I think at that time it was also because what did we get at, at that point? I mean, we we were coming off the Abrams films, which were you know big budget movies, so they're not going to really. I mean, Beyond kind of did did that the best, but 
Enterprise was also, I think, as good as season four was. I mean, they were really steeping into the lore and sort of fleshing it out and sort of teeing up the original series. So we hadn't gotten really, I think, a lot of full-fledged weird exploration since like the early days of Enterprise. And so we had been missing it for a while. And I think I got more angry at Discovery not doing it because the name literally was Discovery. And I'm like, well, we're not discovering anything. <laughs> yes. In that case, it was... It's a science only, vessel. Only the name of the ship. That was... Right. So whenever we saw them like going back to something we had seen like 30 times already, we got very, very excited. Because, oh my god, they're finally going to do something unoriginal. Yeah, but I mean, they, they really are knocking it out of the park. And much with... The cool thing is that rather than do a whole store, a season-long story arc, they're doing standalone episodes, but they're much more complex than any of the original series episodes were. Yeah, I mean, I've this is this show, in my opinion, is if really is this is not a fully you know, I'm sure many people have said this. I mean, this is the original series if it were done today. Yes, yes, it wouldn't. Yeah, if the original series were done today, it wouldn't be. Um, you know, The Sopranos. <laughs> right. Well, you know what else I've said about the show is that, so when I went and saw the first Abrams movie in 2009, I mean, I loved that movie. And I came out of the theater very excited. You know, I wanted to see Star Trek again and I wanted to like, you know, I wanted to have the, the fun and exciting feeling I had from watching that movie. And, you know, so you go back and watch the, you know, the older shows, but, you know, they, they don't quite capture that sense of fun and adventure because this is a whole new thing. Very different. Very different. Strange New Worlds would have was the show I would have wanted to see right after I watched that film. Like that's yes. what I you know what I mean? Totally, totally, yeah. Cause that was the thing about it. It was as famously as said, like it was a great action movie, but it wasn't a great Star Trek movie, the first one. Right. Because um, it was yeah. It, it, and it is kind of remarkable just how many things Star Trek can be. But yeah, this lines up more with that. But but it has more Star Trek in it than I think the first. I think it's Star it's Trek it's it's able to have the fun, the scale. In a lot, the scale in a lot of ways, but they also consciously dial it back because they don't they don't take it too far, and sort of the fun and adventure that that movie has. But but. You know, instead of it only being two hours, they've now got ten hours, and they can actually make it. They can actually now inject some Star Trek into it and make it a Star Trek show. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I've got to tell you, I mean, like the Abrams film, since Strange New Worlds has debuted a year ago, um, I've seen people like the Abrams film was a great entry point for people to get into the franchise. This one is also doing the same thing. I've noticed. I've seen I've I've seen a couple of people like online. I've known a few people in person who have never really watched Star Trek, but they, for some reason, not on my recommendation, yeah. totally on their own, have gone and watched this show, and they really enjoy it. I mean, I I haven't seen some of them have gone back and explored Trek a little bit, but. But they've more or less like stuck with the show, and they really, really enjoy watching it. They're just like you know, it's not. It's a very easy show to watch. They said it doesn't. There's not too much to it. It's very you know dense plots and everything, but like it's not difficult to follow. It's not overcomplicated. 
the characters oh. are well developed the actors are great the, the plot lines are fun so yeah i wonder if there's a lot of carryover i know the last season of picard probably was the most watched of any of the new trek i would assume hmm so I wonder if there's going to be some people that then stick around, and if the next thing they get is Strange New Worlds, that could be very good for the the interest in Star Trek. I think so. I mean, when the show premiered a year ago, I think within like four or five weeks, because, you know, up until that point, sorry for doing this, um, you know, Discovery, of course, was like pegged as the flagship show, as, you know, it was at the time. I mean, it really was. This one sort of came up and kind of pushed it out of the way and said, actually, you know, sorry, Discovery, but this is now the flagship show, really, because it just kind of embraced. Everyone sort of like looked at it saying like, oh, my God, it's a Star Trek show as if it's like. Yeah, I don't know if Discovery was the flagship show. I think the it was the flagship show in terms of like the. the only show. Well, I mean, the flagship show in the sense that, like, it was the flagship show that launched CBS All Access. It was the one that brought Star Trek back to television. You know, all of yeah. all of that stuff. So it was, like, sort of the leader of it all. But when this show came, it was like, oh, but it's an actual... But this show's actually good. It's enjoyable. <laughs> it's an actual Star Trek show. Like, it's yeah, just... Yeah. yeah. And yeah, they could be the flagship. But everyone make- seemed amazed by this. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it came along, and I think as you and I said multiple times, I mean, they've demonstrated, like, it's not all you, ha- it's not difficult. All you've got to do is just embrace the lore, and that's, and that's all you've got to do. Yeah, they spent so much time and effort and stress about trying to make Star Trek different. But I think, you know what I, th- I also think it was, too? I think it was also because every season... Discovery seemed to reset its narrative and become a try to be a different show. Yes, and no, okay, and Disco- and strange no, and strange new worlds just came along, and sort of just knew it knew what it was immediately and didn't yeah. even try to be anything else. It it knew its identity yeah, right away. And so you know what, there could be an alternate universe where Brian Fuller stays on Discovery and it's everything's different. We may not even right. have got. Strange New Worlds. And Discovery might have been fantastic the whole way through. Who knows? I'd like to see that show. But that's the way the cookies uh, crumble. But also, in another in another universe, The Cage was bought as a series, and it, be- and it oh ran my God, for three it seasons. Three episodes, it got canceled. And it lasted for three seasons, or however many seasons. I think it would last for about four episodes and get canceled to be a footnote in uh, culture. Hunter was no good, man. He wasn't. I mean... And, and the uniforms were no good. Everything about it was no good, except. Well, hold, but you're looking at that from our universe lens. In that universe, they may think it's fantastic. That's true. I'd be like, oh man, I want a gold sweater. Yeah. A gold turtleneck. Absolutely. Um, I got a couple of odds and ends. If we're ready for odds and ends. Yeah, totally. Go ahead. Okay. Um, one thing I really liked was when Ortegas could not find their room, and the illuminated path led them to their room. For some reason, I just thought that was um, made so much sense. That felt like a nod to the first episode of Next Gen because Riker was trying to find the holodeck and something led him similarly to the holodeck. And we never saw that again on that show, oddly enough. Um, Okay, so I guess the last scene with Pike and Battelle, when Pike apologizes and he realizes that being with her is great because he's another captain, 
I thought it was very strange and almost like a throwback to a line that would be in the original series of, is there another gal who gets you like I do? Just using the term gal. Yeah. No, I get, I get that. Yep. Um, and then now I don't know if I'm the only one who thought this, but it's almost seemed like her last line was suggesting Pike, if you can give me an orgasm in 30 minutes, I will stay with you. But otherwise I'm out. She says, well, depends on how the next 30 minutes go. That's the way I took that. What do you think? I, no, I didn't, okay. That's, I didn't think of it that way, but okay. Okay. Yeah. That's my headcanon now. Interesting. <laughs> you, uh... Sorry, I took it. It was real specific, you know, depends on how the next 30 minutes go. Right. That's why I thought that. Oh, and one more, one more, of course. Um, so when, oh, and this actually brings up a bigger question. Sure. Do you think Pike kind of lost his mind? It was about to murder Zach, I think his name was. Yes, he was beating him up. Yes, pretty badly. He was beating him up, and then he was going to kill him. He was. And he and he yelled, uh, "I need our memories back!" And he had real Kirk energy from. Um, the only like the thing that was missing was like. Original series music. Yes. Which episode was it when the, the scream that I compared it to? The Enemy Within. That's Evil Kirk saying I'm uh, Captain yeah. Kirk, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, we kind of got Evil Pike there. But do you think this is a case of when you take away like someone's memory of their orders and rules that he like was revealing him true self, his true self, or do you think he was just going crazy because of the... It's weird because you take away your memories, but... Yeah, that like, was a little... Fa- what is little... the line, though? Because what you're taking away memories of... Yes. But do you still know who you are? Like, do you still... Like, what is... Re- it's not clear to me, like, what is retained and what isn't. Yes, that was very wishy-washy. Yeah. And also, how could you e- deeply ingrain those memories... You would have had to have memory at some point to right. learn all these routines that you hold on to. Right. So that was all, yeah, that was all a little, like, fudgy. Is it you know, because you think, like, he wasn't there as long as the other guy, so, like, maybe some of it was still in there, but it was, like, he was, it was fading, so he wasn't, I don't know. I'm not sure. I just think that that was a little wishy-washy. Yeah. It, did, it wasn't very clear, but that's okay. Yeah. But I think my question is, yeah, do you think he was, that was his true self? Is he a rage-filled person? Or do you think he was... Uh, and you think Starfleet coming. disciplined him to not behave that way and, know, and now that he doesn't have that anymore, that's really who he was? Exactly. Because it kind of got I that hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I forget what the dialogue was, but there was something between him when he got his well, memory. It's back. interesting because we've seen many times, and I think it's... Maybe the most on Discovery. When somebody's about to lose their mind and they're like, okay, stop. You know, I'm a Starfleet officer. I'm... And they use that as a way to kind of calm themselves down from sort of going over the edge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the routine and the discipline and the rules, I think, yeah, is what gets them through. Right. I don't know. But it's a good question. I hope he's yeah, not he... that person. And it was so dramatic because then after he's very calm and it's like, I'm so sorry what we did to you. But right. everything after that was you. Yeah. I really like that line. I'm sorry for what we did to you, but everything after that was your choice. And I will take you back and try to help you, but you're going to face charges. 
So, is that everything you had there? How's it ends? Uh, that is it. Because I have something I want, I have like one thing I want to add to that. And it kind of, I, I sort of mentioned it earlier when I was talking about how, in comparing this to Star Trek 09, how this show, being the original series, if done today, they certainly could go farther with it and make it bigger and grander in scale. But we've seen them make conscious efforts in the past to not do that. So, like, what I mean by that is, like, we've seen them do submarine warfare, right? Even though we know in the original series they're doing that because of budgetary constraints. Here, they don't have to do that. They could go bigger, but they decide not to. They decide to sort of keep it in the same level as the original series. And this episode kind of furthers that because what I something I mentioned to you was in the beginning of the episode, you know, I know I kind of mentioned it, like, Rigel 7 retains that. But in the beginning of the episode we see Captain Battelle's ship, and it's another Constitution-class ship. If you recall in the original series, every time we saw another starship, it was always, in, it was always another Constitution-class ship, right? Because it was just, because it was the Enterprise filmed far away or, you know, at a different angle, so, you know, or they would use the same pass, and, you know, and mm-hmm. what I like about it, we've seen, in, when the Enterprise in the show is, like, in space dock, you know, we'll sometimes a little off to the side, we'll see a different looking ship. We saw the Farragut, which looked different in, which was a different class of ship in Equality of Mercy. But this is the second time we've seen a Constitution, an additional Constitution class ship. Um, actually, sorry, not, it's the first time really, but the one that we saw, the crashed one that we saw with that, the Gorn were on it. It wasn't, it looked the same as a Constitution class ship, but it was called, a, it was called something else. I forget what it was called, but because it, it was smaller, I think, but the design was exactly the same. And the interiors were exactly the same. And so I like that they're sort of embracing that. They're sort of like, they're still going with that same idea that the Constitution class vessel. And Discovery kind of sort of set this up, I think, in the first season where where the Constitution class vessels were really kind of the pride of Starfleet. And I feel like even though, you know, maybe they're showing us more Constitution class vessels here to kind of keep it more in line with the original series. But in my headcanon, I'm thinking maybe in that time frame, they were just far more common ships, right? These Constitution class heavy cruisers. But I right. just like that they're not, that they're sort of keeping that aspect of it. They're still just, all the ships, for the most part, just still look like the Enterprise. Yes, I love that. And it's again, it's like the costumes for the, the guards. Yeah. When you're faced with these choices, why not just do it that way? There's, there's really, you're not going to win anyone over by having. Right. A bunch of cool ships. I mean, um, and sure. who knows? Maybe they're saving money just like on the original series. They can use the same digital model. You're cloning it. You just control C. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm all for it. Save money and make more episodes. But and the thing is, too, like in the original series, they didn't have a choice. They had to do it that way. Right. They were a time here, and a money. Here, you know that they could just design a new ship. And why? They could just. But they're not. Like, there's a, they, there's a conscious... You know, they could have completely redid Rigel 7, right? But they're like... But so there was somebody who said, just don't, just don't yeah. do that. It's not even necessary. Just, you yeah. know. I, I think it might be... Sure, it expands the world a bit, but, you know. It's sort of something I've always loved about Star Trek is that it was never about the special effects. or Right. The, it was about the stories they were telling, and they did the best they could with the special effects. And right. I think that I know we're talking a lot about Discovery, but I think that might be where Discovery lost its way a little bit, which is like, look how many, you know, ships mm. we can have blasting at each other. It's amazing, but it's boring. I don't want to because 
Right. You will, I'd much rather watch a bunch of characters that I like interacting in uh-huh. a submarine warfare show than I would like 50 million ships shooting at each other. Because it's, it's you know, there's more, it's more tense to do it that way. But also, but what I like about it is like, there's in a way, now here's the thing. I don't know if they're actually saying this to each other behind the scenes. I mean, I have to assume they, they are because they're all big fans of the original series. But yeah, they're treating choices to not have it be. They're treating the show as if they're treating a modern production, 2023, as if it's got the budgetary constraints of the original series. So like they're reusing digital models. They're reusing, you know what I mean? So and and we know well, like know, it might be costing them millions to reproduce all these things. Potentially, but like it doesn't at least look that way because again, you know, they could have just given us yeah. Yeah. The tell ship could have been like, because it was sort of off in the distance. It could have been like a less detailed model, but looked totally different. We didn't even see it close enough to see the name True. of it. It probably could have. It probably said USS Enterprise on it. And we just, it just, we just didn't even see it yeah. because it was and so far all, away. Even Rigel Seven. What did we really see? We saw the rock place. We saw the guy's house, and we saw the the castle. It was, I believe, it was that's, done. That's about what you would have seen on an original series, right? Away episode. And you know what it is? In a way, they're using that. Um, what do they call that? That wall. Oh, yeah, the digital wall background. So, and they use it to far greater effect than Discovery does, I'm sorry. But in a way, like, the way they utilize it, it kind of, the in the modern sense that they use it, kind of reminds me of, like, when they go down, when they had the soundstage for the original series, they had, like, a planet, they had, like, a red sky, a blue sky, and a green yeah, sky, and that was it. Light gels. And, right. <laughs> exactly. You see the same rocks just moved around. Right. And so in this case, yeah, like the background changes. Yeah. But like the foreground, like maybe they'll reuse some props and everything like that. But like it's done yeah. in a much more sophisticated modern sense. You can't even tell. Right. But that was never the point. Right. The, the point was the stories they were telling. And here's the thing. I'm one of those people that like I can, and I think you are too, like you can tell you can sort of, you know, sometimes see the, you know, where the, the tape is holding it up, right, so to speak, right? Oh, yeah. But it's a, li- like, it's okay. It's because like, yeah, that's something we're watching it for. I love it. Yeah, like, you, yeah. It's more like a play. It, like you know, it, you know, it's we know it's not real anyway. There's no need to trick us into thinking it's real. Right. You know, we're suspending our disbelief, and um, so just yeah, just. But again, I, I would love to see them do one, an episode. I would just, I just love it. Just tell good stories. Don't worry about everything else. Make it look as good as you can and, and quickly. And I'm, 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 I'm lost for words. I'm so impressed with this. And show. I've always asked myself, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop after this. Like, you know, we may lo- look at the original series and sort of laugh sometime, you know, somewhat at the camp of it, or like, oh, look at those special effects. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I mean, I can't imagine that somebody at the time was saying, oh, my God, what is that? What are they doing? You know, I mean. Right. Because what, what was the more sophisticated outer space show? The Twilight Zone, the the Outer Limits, right? And they would show like circular UFOs yeah. with like weird, right. you know? Yeah. So they didn't have a, it was the most sophisticated and seriously that space right. show had never been taken. Because before it was like, whatever, Buck Rogers or, you know. I think it's because. I think it's because that type of show, like what they, that sort of style of like the era that it came from, 
it aged very out of favor very quickly and became campy, I think, very quickly. Like certain certain parts of the show didn't age sort of, you know, didn't age well and it happened very quickly. I think so. But yeah. if you watch the shows right before Star Trek that are outer space shows, they're unwatchable now. Oh, totally. So it's it did better than any other show of the era, I, I think. But I think you used the right word. It was it's it was sophisticated. Yes, they took it seriously. Yeah. Yeah, and somebody had made, I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson, I saw him make this point one day, which I thought was interesting. He said, he's like, he's like I don't know for sure, because he goes, I don't know this for sure, but I think that Star Trek was the first show like that really had, where it primarily took place on a ship. He said, because before that, the ship was the vehicle that got you from this point to that point. They landed on the planet and that was it. But here it's like it's the entire show is on the ship itself. Yeah, so that's how space travel would be because there are... You're living on the ship. Yeah, billions of light years between... Right. It's not the transportation device that gets you from this planet to that planet like a train. It's like, no, it's where you live. It's more like the, um, you know, if it's a workplace comedy show, right? It's more like the work... Right. The office in the office. But yeah, to kind of like wrap up this sort of part of it, like that's... I love that Strange New Worlds has made a conscious effort to kind of keep that aspect of it true, which is they certainly could do more, you know, visually, but they choose not to, and they they really make the storyline and character development the main focus of the show, and it really kind of drives the point home that, you know, that's why the original series still is so good today because it's not about as you say it was never about the visual effects it was about telling a good story as long as you're telling me a good story you're going to forget about everything else because there's and we've said this you know in referencing terrible discovery episodes once you have a bad story then you begin to point see all the other things about it that suck well, what are the what you know and totally unrelated to the story but as long as the story succeeds you just forgive everything else you don't even look at everything else it's just so true yeah and it's funny that, like, you know... Saying, I think really what we're saying is we love Stranger Worlds. Yes. <laughs> That's all we had to say. That's all we really had to say. I need... Uh, well, what do you want to... How do you want to... All righty. So, next week is next episode... Next week was really cool. For some reason, this never happens, but I watched the episode on my laptop this time, and the, the trailer for the next episode started right after the uh this week's episode which was really cool and um it looks like uh again something that would not have been out of place in the original series right now i don't know if it's a transporter malfunction but i hope it is so let me tell you spock becomes fully human so here's what it is so the name of the episode is called charades and it says a shuttle accident leads to Spock's Vulcan DNA being removed by aliens, making him fully human and completely unprepared to face T'Pring's family during an important ceremonial dinner. Oh my god, this is full sitcom! <laughs> this is full sitcom! Oh my god! I think this is going to be... Gonna be... Know that. Because remember the episode last season when the two of them switched bodies really quick and they had to like... Oh yes. Yeah. I loved that, and I know that the fans really love that. So I kind of feel like, is this? Are they going to give us? Is this a little bit sort of more in that vein? I think so. Yeah, because yeah. he's going to have to be. Because from the trailer, I mean, he was just. 
I didn't even see that. I so think like an obnoxious human. He, you know, because everything was new to him, so he's all like, oh, "This tastes amazing." <laughs> uh, well, it's gonna be a, a fun episode. So you know what you should watch. Um, what this kind of reminds me of. So, how far did you get into Voyager? I think I got fully like four seasons, and okay. then Julie was watching it, so I saw a lot of the episodes so, here and there. Maybe this will be a really nice tee up to it. So maybe, because it sounds like it's going to be something similar. There's an episode in season seven of Voyager called Body and Soul. And it's Harry, Seven, and the Doctor. They're on an away mission and they get captured by these aliens. And the aliens find out that there's a, that they have, some of they find, I forget the exact details, but they find out that like, you know, they don't like photonics. So the Doctor being a hologram. So they have to hide the Doctor somewhere. Okay. So he hides inside of Seven's cortical monitor, and he essentially takes over her body. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's like uh, when when Spock was in McCoy. So, but the thing is, because the Doctor's a hologram, but now he's in Seven's body, he's now experiencing for the first time like all of these different sensations. So, like she's eating cheesecake, and and she's behaving like the Doctor, right? So you can see, oh, that, I love and, it. and he's like, he's like eating cheesecake, and he goes, oh. Oh, I never imagined. And he just keeps eating. Like, he's just experiencing all these, like, things for the first time. And it's so funny. Yeah, especially because it's so out of character for Seven. Right. And so it's Jerry Ryan acting like Seven, acting like the Doctor. Oh, man. I'm going to watch that tonight, I think. It's really, really funny. It's it's one of my favorite episodes of Voyager. And so it sounds like, if I'm if this is any indication, we may have a similar episode here, which... Again, to kind of reinforce the point, even if it's something we've seen before, like I'm still I'm here for that because I want to see I want to see Spock do something like that. I mean, I like that the show is trying new things with Spock that we've never really seen before. Yes, yes, yes. I, 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 for some reason, it makes me think of like the episodes of sitcoms where like the boss is coming over for dinner and you have to hide something. <laughs> right. So this is uh, this is gonna be real special. Uh, it's a farce. Yes, it's farce. Yeah, like I'm a, excited. Is this gonna be like a? Is this gonna be like Strange New Worlds' Three's Company episode? And I wonder if maybe this will maybe oh, and then at the end, right? But maybe we'll have this great funny, you know, kind of wacky episode, and then at the end we'll bring it back to um, Spock's brother. A little tease, you know. Yeah, I don't want them to forget we about that. We haven't seen Spring in a while. But see. That's another thing about the show that I was not anticipating them doing, like actually getting into the Dupring relationship. And I and I like that they're coming back to it every once in a while. Yeah, I guess yeah, our two leads are in long-term relationships. Yeah. So That's pretty great. I love that like that is it's Vulcan DNA is removed. Like why why is the Vulcan DNA removed? Like for what yeah, for what reason? Here is the aliens that take Spock's brain. Oh boy. Poor um, Spock. He's got his brain removed, then he's got his DNA removed. Yeah, he dies, and he, he has dies? to inside the doctor who thinks he's an asshole. And then he's inside McCoy, like, oh, God. McCoy hates him. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't want to, like, you know, I know I've sometimes given you homework or whatever, but, like, you know. No, I, I, that's not homework. That's joy you have work. more time than I do because you're, you know, summer vacation, but, um, you know, we don't have to like spend time talking about that episode of Voyager, but like if there are similarities, I mean, it would be fun to uh, oh, yeah. to draw upon it, you know. I, I'm looking forward to watching. Cool. Well, um, so 
one thing I forgot. So the continuity corner. Um, I mean, the whole episode is more or less like this. And I kind of hit already on the big points. But mm. um, let me just mention. So as I said, you know, this. And as, as I said at the top of the show, the episode was a sequel to a secondary plot point from The Cage. Pike's Yeoman is first mentioned in the aforementioned pilot, but we find out his name is Zach Nguyen, who is in, who who we meet in this episode. Um, the crew in the cage is not mentioned by name, who was lost. Um, and then it says that the episode bears some parallels to Star Trek Prodigy's All the Worlds a Stage, which features a primitive civilization adopting Starfleet iconography in honor, in honor of a stranded Enterprise officer. Mm. Um, I don't think I remember that episode but i don't i don't also don't think i've i don't think i've finished the first season of uh of um now you can't. what now you can't i know <laughs> there's no to place read. to watch it right now none like it's not even on Bl- the the second half of the season isn't even on blu-ray yet oh uh, yeah or it's or, it resort to uh pirating dude for the it's first time for the first time ever, like, not all of Trek... They can no longer say, for Paramount+, Plus, every episode, every series, now available. They can't even do that. And they and they often don't have the movies, right? No, they, they tend to... When they advertise Trek on Paramount+, Plus, they tend to lean into the series and not the films. But I think all the films are there now. Because the films keep disappearing and coming back. It's just, it's a whole... You know, yeah. I just don't get it. But... I don't understand the uh, the cancellation's one thing, but the removal of the show entirely, I just don't get. Yeah, there's got to be some behind the scenes business reasons we don't we're not privy to. Yeah, but they did it with some other shows too that were canceled. They they literally just removed them. The from um, the Grease prequel. All right, so the last thing I'm going to mention, we haven't covered this in quite a, in quite a while, but um, Comic Con is coming up. Oh. And Paramount plus Comic Con, the Star Trek panel is going to focus on Discovery. Lower Decks Boy. and Strange New Worlds. I am intrigued to see what they're going to do with Discovery for the, its last season. Yeah, I am too. A Lower Decks, yeah, so that'll be fun. Well, what they're doing with Discovery is that they've already filmed season four, but because the show was effectively, you know, given a sort of um, premature ending, the reason why it's now being delayed in twenty twenty four is that they're actually giving them time to kind of wrap it up. Oh, like film a ending it's kind of the same thing with enterprise right because if you remember with yeah. season four of enterprise they were going along fine then suddenly this final episode comes out of you know which is like completely removed from everything else so um that'll be curious there's also one other thing so the best revenge would be and it would make no sense but if it's um archer is watching discovery in a holodeck It wouldn't make any Maybe sense. Maybe it's Mariner and Boim. No, actually, that wouldn't make sense. The first, it happens after. Second, they didn't have holodecks, but they should do it anyway. So, one other thing. So, at Comic-Con. So, there's an animation celebration panel. Um, which should be of particular interest to Trek fans. Because this year is the 50th anniversary of the animated series. Oh. And binge-worthy drama. What's that? The binge-worthy drama. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, please. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Please mention this really quick. So I went on to Paramount Plus. We were, we were having a conversation one day about Paramount Plus. So I just went on to poke around and see what movies they had. And um, 
one of the categories was binge-worthy dramas, and the first recommendation was Star Trek the Animated Series. I mean, I'll agree it should be binge-worthy. It's a fine show, but it is. I don't think of it as a, dra- a binge-worthy drama. So, um, but it says that, this is on TrekMovie.com, but it says that, um, yeah, 2023 is the 50th anniversary of Star Trek the Animated Series, and it appears that Paramount is getting ready to celebrate the anniversary of that show and more animated Trek. So that's that's on Friday, July 21st. Okay. So that's nice. I mean, I like that the animated series... I, I've often thought that I don't think the animated series gets enough recognition from its parent company. I mean, it's a it's a fantastic yeah. show. Fans love it. And um, I do like that it's getting... I mean, I don't know what they're going to be doing. but Yeah, well, um, it sounds like they're doing more for the 50th anniversary of the animated series than they did for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek altogether. It was a different... Yeah, that was a different time for us. There were no shows on the air at the time. CBS All Access... I don't even think it existed yet. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I think when Comic-Con comes, we'll... Uh, I mean, depending on what they discuss, um, we'll probably have our own uh, hot takes. But we haven't done a Comic-Con episode in quite some time, because I think the last one they did, it was like... I don't know. I feel like they just focused on, like, animation or something, or, like, maybe we... That was a strange one. No, the last one I think is when they no, the, sorry, the last one's when they announced the Strange New Worlds and uh, Lower Decks uh, crossover. That was exciting. Yeah, which is oh, so actually, which I found out is episode seven of this season. Okay, so will it air before Comic Con? No. Oh. I think right after it. Okay. If my math, so this week's episode five, right? Six. Do we have maybe around the same? Maybe the around maybe right before it or right after it or during? I don't know. Okay. Do we have any more titles going forward? Yeah, I just I actually looked at them the other day. So uh, hang on one second. Um. Oh, and also one other thing is that I will say this about the title. But the title here does make sense because in the Odyssey, Odysseus's crew goes to this island and they have. Lotus, which is like a, I don't know, it seems like a heroine or something, and they're taken yeah. down, and they're in this blissed-out state, and they don't, like, they have no motivation to go back to the ship, so he has to, like, get them to go back. Pretty pretty good. So, it's interesting. Wikipedia has the episode titles, but Memory Alpha does not. So, as I said, next week's is called Charades, Episode 5. Episode 6 is called Lost in Translation. Episode 7 is called These Old Scientists. That's the Lower Decks crossover directed by Jonathan Frakes. After that is Under the Cloak of War, Subspace Rhapsody, and Hegemony. Is that how you say that? Hegemony. Hegemony. Now, the Gorn, Gorn, that's what they refer to, the Gorn Hegemony. And as we say, they've been, you know, reference that there's a war potentially brewing. And that could play in, yeah. Hegemony, that's a very telling word for the title. What does that mean exactly? I should look it up. What does that word mean? Hegemony is something that is completely overpowering. Like, people will say, like, oh, the United States has a cultural hegemony over the world because, like, everybody watches our movies and listens to our music. Um, So it's like, yeah, something that is completely dominating. It's interesting they don't refer to the Borg in that way. Yeah, well, they're collect. But yeah, they are also a hegemony. Well, they want to be a hegemony. We never see—I've never seen a place where the Borg is a hegemony, though. We only see them trying to get a human. That's true. That's true. But the Gorn has—the Gorn have been referred to that in like various 
literature. I don't think they were. I don't think they ever say it in dialogue on any of the shows. But it seems like they're adopting that for this. But um, that's, that's a great. It's a great. That word has always been associated with the Gorn. So and then, well, I don't know. It's a word I love. But episode eighteen is called "Under the Cloak of War," so I assume it's going to pick up on that thread from the first episode where they talk about there's a war brewing with possibly with them and maybe they'll revisit it in episode 10 episode 20 and then maybe i'm assuming there's going to be some kind of some sort of like cliffhanger going into season three so i'm very intrigued by subspace rhapsody yeah i have no idea what that these don't give any those these don't give any um plot descriptions right so i don't even know if these are correct because they're not on memory alpha that's kind of like where i yeah, but, I found that the the Wikipedia has always been accurate in my experience. Yeah, I mean, I know next week is correct charades, but um, it's just weird that they don't have it yet. But the lower decks one, these old scientists, those old scientists. I mean, sorry, that's what it's called. That's a very strange name. Well, maybe that's from the lower decks perspective. Pike and all of them are old scientists because they're from. Yeah, that's weird though. <laughs> I'm excited. Boy, I love the show. Yeah, it's good to be um, it's good to be excited about Star Trek. It really is. Mm-hmm. And what better way to have our two favorite new Trek shows cross over with each other? Yeah, can Franks do comedy as a director? Do you think? Well, he did that great scene in First Contact where Troy is drunk. I mean, it wasn't the whole movie, but it was a scene at least. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, I'll take it. You know the thing is, I'm gonna let. Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid drive that, drive the comedy for that. I don't think he really needs any. I don't think he really needs any uh, to do any directing when it comes to them. So, very cool. Well, with that said, we'll be back next week to discuss episode five, charades. What a fitting title, honor, given the plot. In honor of those old scientists, later skaters. 